25 years ago, I was the national director of an organization called Youth of the Mission in the Dominican Republic. My wife and I led a ragtag group of international missionaries that had the crazy idea that God had called us to mobilize the Dominican church into world missions, to train up young people from all over Latin America, to train them up and send them out as missionaries to parts of the world where the gospel had yet to be preached. So with a lot of faith and very little money, we found a center up in the mountains of the Dominican Republic, a town called Jarabacoa, and we met the owner, a three-star general named Felipe Rojas Lopez, who owned the center, and he, we entered into contract to buy it. Our plan was to pay off the general over a five-year period. We had no money, but we were believing that God could find money for his purposes, and we took over the place day one. Over this time period, General Felipe, he came to know Christ as his Savior. He opened his heart to Christ and got radically saved. It was a beautiful thing to watch. God reached down and saved this, this Dominican general. He never attended church, but I became somewhat of his personal pastor. That's what he called me. I don't need church. I have you, Norell. So I became his personal pastor. And he was suffering from a cancer that was taking his life. So one night I got the call. Norell, come quickly. I don't think he knew my first name. Um, Norell, they said, come quickly. The general is dying. So I came to his bedside, prayed with him, and as I was there, the Lord spoke to me and said, baptize him. I said, no. There were all these military people around the walls are standing around. They would accompany you in your death. I thought, I don't know them. This is awkward. There's no pool. There's no lake. Lord, this is really a bad idea. So I said no to the Lord, which is a really bad idea. And I got to the door of the room. I'd said goodbye. I got to the door, and the Lord second time spoke to me and said, baptize him. So I paused at the door, turned around, went back to his bedside, offered to baptize him, and he heartily agreed to that plan. I ended up saying, what do I do now? Found a cup with some water. I decided in this situation, God doesn't care how much water I have. I believe in immersion, but here we are. So I got a cup of water and I baptized him. And as I was reading scriptures and baptizing him, I had his left hand in mine. I was a little bit over him. And I was baptizing him. And as I baptized him, he had my hand with one hand, but his, uh, he was looking over my shoulder. And he was not just looking over my shoulder. He was like, his eyes were wide. And he was like reaching up. And I thought, what the heck is going on here? And I looked up to see what was he looking at. And I looked at this dark corner of the bedroom ceiling. And I thought, what is this general seeing? Then I thought, who is this general seeing? His eyes were wide and his smile was huge. So I baptized him. I left and he passed on to glory later that night. And I asked his wife, what was it like when the general died? And she said, he had that same expression on his face as when you baptized him. His eyes were wide and he was, he was like reaching out into something far beyond what we could see, and that's how he died.
I am certain that the, that the general was seeing the angels of God that had come to usher him home. What you just heard was a testimony, a story, a story that marked my life, a spiritual experience that I had. I never saw these angels. I wish I would have. But I had a, was watching this man in his last hours of life. I could see that he could see the angels, and it marked me. That's called a testimony. Revelations 12, 11 speaks of three ways that we defeat the enemy. Anybody want to defeat the enemy in your life? Here's three ways. They're very powerful keys. By Revelations 12, 11, they conquered him, speaking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. So the first way they conquered Satan was by the blood of the Lamb. When Satan comes and attacks you, he accuses you day and night. You say, yes, I am that bad person, or I was that bad person, but guess what? Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sin, and I stand cleansed under the blood of Christ, and I think Satan has no defense to the blood of the Lamb. The third way is they didn't love their lives even unto death. They were all in. You know, half-hearted Christianity just doesn't work very well. Where you got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, it gets pretty awkward. It doesn't really work. And these guys overcame Satan because they were all in, even to the point of giving their lives for the kingdom. But the second way is by the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. A testimony is a first-hand witness. And today, I want to continue our series on the wonder of angels. And I want to interject a bunch of stories. I'm a storyteller, and today, I got a bunch of stories for you. I put out an email saying, have you had any experiences with emails? I, I mean with emails. With angels. I've had experience with emails. Um, with angels... And wow, did I get a flood of stories. And I thought, wow, we don't talk about this a whole lot, do we? Because we think if I tell you my experience with an angel, you're going to go, whoop, that guy's a little bit crazy. Nobody wants to be thought of as crazy. So we kind of hold these close to our heart. Well, today we get to talk about some of these. And I, some of the names will not be mentioned just to, they prefer that for different reasons. But I want to tell you some of these stories where we have encountered angels. And may I say, I got really far too many stories than I can share this morning. So if I don't share your, your angel story, please don't be offended. Just rejoice in the stories that I say, all right? No offense this morning. I'm going to share as many as I can. So hang on to your seats. Everybody hang on to your seats. We're going to have some fun. Last week we talked about angels. There is a lot of interest in angels. Did you know that in America, 69% of the population today believes in angels? I think that's more than believes in God. 69% of our world believes in angels. Harvard University has a course, accredited course on angels at Harvard. But as we look at angels, please don't get caught up in the angel mania. 
Don't ever let your house be one of those houses that has 500 angels everywhere and that somehow you think that protects you. That is not the way this works. We, angels are very real today, but keep your focus on Christ. And my heart and prayer this morning, I've never preached besides last week on angels before, but my heart and prayer is that as we hear about this, it will go, wow, isn't God wonderful? Isn't he incredible that he would send his servants to care for me in my time of need? May the angels always reflect our view onto Christ. So what does the Bible say? Because there's a lot of confusion about angels. What's the Bible say? Well, there's 280 verses about Bibles. About Bibles. Ooh, I'm excited this morning. 280 verses in the Bible about angels, 34 of 66 books. And if you read the Christmas story, angels are just going crazy. They are everywhere. They are on the move during the time of nativity. And so what we learn from the Bible is that angels are never to be worshipped. It's an easy thing to do. You know, if that big, flaming, angelic angel appeared today, we would probably all fall on, on the ground, and they'd say two things. Do not be afraid, and don't worship me. Worship God. So say that with me. Worship God. Always our worship is to be of God. We never pray to angels. I've heard of some people who take that as part of the theology. We do not pray to angels. There's no biblical basis for that. We pray to the God of angels, the King of angels. We pray to God himself, and angels are his servants. When Brad and Michelle Kneffelkamp, Michelle is our administrator receptionist here, when they were newly married, they were laying in bed one night discussing how cool it would be to see an angel. They decided to pray that they would see one right then and there in their bedroom. They earnestly prayed for 10 minutes or so, then both of them had the distinct sense of a large presence in the same area of the room. But before it fully manifested itself, they got totally freaked out and said to God, never mind. <laughs> they were so close, so close. That makes sense to me. Another truth, people do not become angels. People never become angels. There are two distinct created entities, difference between human beings and angels. Humans are made in the image of God. So we don't become angels. But someday, praise God, we're going to join the angelic choir. We're going to join that choir of angels, which will be with the redeemed of the Lord. That's us, praise the Lord. And the angelic host. I think that's going to be a great choir. Can't imagine how many parts harmony they're going to be singing in. We'll join them. Another thing about angels is they do not progress. Uh, they don't try to earn their wings like Clarence on it's, a, on it's a Beautiful Life. It's not the way this works. They're, they are created beings, but they do not progress. It's also very important to realize that not all angels are good. I want to say this. This is a point of confusion and deception in our world. When we read through the scriptures, it talks about one-third of angels falling 
along with Satan when he fell from heaven. So not all angels are good. You may picture demons as the, the demonic angels, you may picture them as smoky, slithering, dark, and menacing, and they may look like that at times. But normally, Satan and his angels, Satan is called the angel of light. Great beauty, majestic. And so, it's important for us, if we have any kind of an encounter with angelic beings, that we seek the Lord to say, is this an angel of God, or is it an angel that is not of God? If you think about it, there are two major religions in the world today that were begun because of an angelic encounter. And I am convinced that these were not God's angels. Islam was started when Muhammad listened to an angel. And that has started the entire religion of Islam. And Mormonism was started when Joseph Smith listened to the angel Moroni, who told him of the golden plates. I believe both these angels were beautiful and majestic and deceptive. And they've caused great deception in our world. God sends his angels to minister unto us. Just think about that for a minute. God sends angels to care for you. Isn't that amazing? That God cares enough and he's looking out at your situation and there's times where he will send angels to minister to you. Hebrews 11:14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Who's going to inherit salvation? All who have called and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God has ministering angels that have come to minister to us. There was a Canadian missionary imprisoned in China. And this story is only two years old. 2016. She was in prison. She was in solitary confinement for six hours of interrogation every day. I don't know who could withstand that. She said, the harder survival was, the closer heaven came until the line between heaven and earth disappeared altogether. On day of 153 of her solitary confinement, after a Saturday of silent staring, the compound walls disappeared as if transparent. The courtyard filled with brightness and there stood a huge angel wrapped in a magnificent bright white robe. As tall as a building, its two large hands cradled a huge golden bowl filled to the brim with golden bubbly liquid. The angel stepped towards me. God sent an angel to rescue me. I go, I'm going home, I thought. A strong yet quiet voice spoke into the silence. These are the prayers of my people gathered into bowls. This is a bowl of mercy to pour over your building. I watched amazed as the angel approached and with both hands lifted the bowl until it was over the compound roof. Join us, spoke the voice. Peace enveloped me. I started to pray. At that same moment, the angel tipped the bowl and liquid poured over the building, seeping through the roof into the third floor, then down mine and through the floor to the ground. It soaked the entire compound. In awe, I prayed for the guards. 
the investigators, the officials, and the leaders in charge of the case. I prayed for the leaders in Beijing and Atois. I want everyone to know what mercy feels like. An angel came and ministered to her. You know, sometimes we have an idea of what we want. She wanted out of the prison. That's what I would have wanted. And yet the, minute the angel came and ministered to her in the prison. And she was transformed. And so the transformation you see is a praying for her captors. Only God could do something like that inside of her. Some angels come to us in disguise. I kind of like that. They're like secret agents. And they look like anybody else. So I've had to wonder, maybe God. I'm looking around here. don't see one yet. Nobody's glowing. But maybe there's angels that we encounter every day and we just don't know. Do you ever wonder if you're going to get that tape in heaven? You know, get to see the video and you're going to go, wow, I had no idea. Angels come in disguise. Hebrews 13.2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Which means they don't always come to us in flaming, the flaming sword and big wings. They come looking like people. I read from Jerry Poppy one of our members of our church here. Late one winter night, I was heading home from night shift work in Indiana. Leaving my work and along the main road, there was a man walking. He looked cold and had ragged clothes, very poor shoes. It was cold out, and I was sure he was freezing. I had thought to pass him, but the Holy Spirit nudged me. He listened to the Holy Spirit to give him a ride. I pulled to the side of the road. He came to the car, and I asked if I could give him a ride. He quickly agreed. While we traveled towards town, once again the Holy Spirit nudged me. So I invited the man to my house and offered him some hot soup, some bread, and some coffee. While he was eating, the Lord impressed on me his needs. I proceeded to give him my best heavy-duty shoes, my best insulated jacket, and my best gloves. The man was very glad and asked me to take him back to the road. I brought him to a nearby truck stop, but he asked me to take him a quarter mile down the highway to let him off. I looked, and we were along the open fields. Why would he want to be let off here? We'd not seen any traffic the whole way, and there was about four inches of snow on the ground. The man got out of my car, thanked me with a smile, and said, this is good. Well, here I am on a four-lane highway, cold weather, no traffic, I had a short way to travel to get to the crossover to return home. I left the man there on the side of the highway and made the turnaround. Suddenly I realized there was no one on the road. Somehow he had vanished, but how could that be? So I looped back around again to check for his tracks in the snow. I looked very hard for the tracks. I have tracked animals when I was a kid at home. I looked across the field and I saw no one. Taking a deep breath, I said, Lord, what is this? God answered me quickly saying, I sent you an angel to see if you would minister to him, and you did. I was so glad, amazed, my mind wondering if there was something else I should have done. I praised the Lord all the way back home. 
Pretty cool. So what is the role, the purpose of angels? Well, they are messengers of God. The angels may bring a message, a proclamation to us. And they always speak with God's authority. Think of the story with Zacharias, or Zechariah in the Bible. <clears throat> he was married to Elizabeth. They were elder. She was barren. And he went into the priest. He, as a priest, he went into the temple, and there he met had an angel that appeared to him, the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says to him, you'll have, your wife will have a child, and you'll call his name John. And Zechariah says to the angel, how shall I know this? Verse 18 of Luke 1. How shall I know this? For I'm old man and my wife is advanced in years. Really what he's saying is, this can't happen. The days of having babies are done. And the angel, Gabriel, answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I think there was an authority that Gabriel was speaking with here. I don't think he appreciated his word not being trusted, because he came as a messenger of God Almighty. So here's what we learn. If Gabriel appears to you with a message, just believe it, all right? I mean, I think he went mute and i i don't know if an angel of god appears to you he stands and he speaks with the authority of god god sends angels to protect us jonathan johnson sent an email that said i was on an evangelistic team on the streets of uptown minneapolis one evening one of our groups of students was doing street evangelism and encountered a group of young men who started to follow them and threaten them. Our team was really worried because they were in a secluded area and they no longer felt safe. Suddenly, I love that word, suddenly, a very large man with long blonde hair walked up, went between the students and their pursuers. He walked towards a young man with his hand outstretched saying, move on! And with a loud voice, and they did. And the man slipped away without a word to anyone in our group. The team members are certain that God had sent an angel to protect them in times of danger. God also sends angels to help us in time of need. Dan Peach sent me an email that said, we lived in a small town outside of Marshall where I managed an in-home cleaning business. Around 3 a.m., long before anyone was on the road, I began my drive to Woodstock, a town an hour away, to work on a job for the day. We had just finished reading the book by Billy Graham called Angels, God's Secret Agents. It's a great book. So I prayed for someone or maybe an angel to help me with this job because the two people I were counting on working with me that day were sick and stranded in Minneapolis, so I had to work alone. Snow was falling and driving was difficult, almost impossible. I came upon a man all bundled up for the winter in the side of the road. He was wearing a lamb's wool coat. I felt sorry for the fellow out in the cold and stopped. I offered him a ride. He piled in and we were off. I asked where he was going. He said his name was Chris. 
and he was going to his father's home. To my surprise, he was going to Woodstock, the town where I was going to do my job. I had some Christian music playing, and we started talking. He asked me if I loved the Lord. I replied, very much, and would love for him to meet my best friend, Jesus. When we arrived in Woodstock, I noticed there were no other tire tracks on the road or footprints by the houses. Chris, my hitchhiker, said he was willing to go with me on the job and help out as he had no specific plans for the day. I informed him that he would get a check for the work he did when the job was done. Chris helped me carry in all the items that were needed to do this cleaning job. We began cleaning the kitchen, which is generally the worst part of the house to clean. I watched him for a bit to make sure he knew what he was doing, and I went off to clean another room. When I went to check on him, he was done cleaning the kitchen, had cleaned the oven, and two other rooms. He had cleaned those rooms so quickly, I checked his work to see if they were done properly. I found that each was done perfectly. He had, he had also done some rewiring in the kitchen, yet no rewiring supplies were available in the house. <laughs> we continued to clean the house until the job was done. I told them we'd just done the work of three people for two days, and just, they just had the two of us to do the job. We'd done it in one. We loaded the truck, and I offered to drop him off at his father's house. He said he didn't need a ride as the house was just around the corner. I thanked him and pulled out the checkbook, wrote the check to pay for his work. We shook hands. I handed him the check, and he got out of the truck, and he said, Dan Peach, I've really enjoyed spending time with you. I watched him for a little while as he walked through a yard with that fresh snow. Then I noticed a check sticking out from under the seat. I grabbed the check and started off after him. The snow was piled up to my knees, and it was easy to see where he was walking, so I just followed his footsteps. The footsteps were there, and then they weren't. They just disappeared. I was, and am still convinced that I worked with an angel or with Jesus that day. God sends angels to comfort us. A woman in our congregation wrote, after my husband was killed in an accident, I felt very alone. It was hard for me to sleep in our big bed alone. When I awoke one morning, I felt a movement on my bed as if someone sat down at my feet. I thought it must be our little dog, but when I opened my eyes, she was not there. Many times after that, when I awoke in the morning, my bed moved as if someone was getting up from sitting or lying beside me. But whenever I opened my eyes, no one was there. This has continued throughout the years. Each time I've been filled with a sense of peace, comfort, and joy. My sense is that this is my guardian angel sent to comfort me. Sherry Farrell, another member of our congregation, said in 2011, as my dad was passing, he'd been in ICU for a few days and the, little, the time had come to make him as comfortable as possible. He was moved to an empty hospital room at 2 a.m. and was given morphine. We sat in that quiet room with my dad, not really knowing what to do. Staff stopped in a couple of times to check on him, but they didn't tell us anything. We didn't know what to expect, as if we should be doing something. It was so hard. Early the next morning, a new nurse swept into the room and boldly asked how my sister and I were doing. She could tell we were struggling. She took control. She spent a lot of time with us that day. She fussed over my dad and 
talked to him as if he were awake and responding. She explained each change that was happening. She even stayed with us past the end of her shift. She brought us such a sense of peace. It was amazing. My dad passed later that night. A couple months later, I was at the hospital and decided to go to the floor where my dad had been. I wanted to thank the nurse for all she had done for my dad and my family during that day. So I talked to the nurse on duty who had worked there for 20 years. And her response was, we've never had a nurse by that name. It made me smile, and I know the Lord was right beside our family that day to comfort us. Praise God. Angels come to encourage us. About a year ago, I was going through a difficult time of anger and resentment. I was deeply struggling with my security and self-esteem. As I entered Costco with my husband, I was letting go of many emotions right there in front of the store, telling him how rejected and unbeautiful I felt. It certainly wasn't a scene no one could have heard as I kept my voice low. I let him know how I didn't feel beautiful, valuable, or worthy. We went about the store grabbing our necessary items, and eventually, as we neared the very back of Costco, over by the bakery department, a young gal with blonde hair who was dressed in chef's clothing, I think she worked by the baked goods or the deli, all of a sudden appeared right next to me. She looked at me and said, I just want you to know I think you're really pretty and you should know how beautiful of a woman you really are. After a polite, wow, that's so kind of you to say, from me, she was gone. I looked over my shoulder to see where she was walking back to Looked back in the bakery department, in front of me down the aisle, nothing. Nowhere to be found. Each time we visit this Costco, which is quite often, I have yet to see her again. I'd know her if I saw her. It was a very simple and quick encounter, but both my husband and I vividly remember looking at one another after that moment and thinking, I think that was an angel, a messenger that God sent to remind me of my worth. It was what I needed to hear, and God knew that and use an angel in Costco to speak to me that day. I also know that it says in the scripture that angels have a passion for the nations. Revelations 4, 6 says, I saw another angel flying in midair. He had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, every nation, every tribe, every language and people. There was a, a pastor, Reverend John Patton, who was a missionary in New Hebrides Islands in South Pacific. This is an island known to have hostile natives. And one night, the angels came and surrounded his compound to burn it to the ground. He and his wife cried out to God and prayed all night long for the protection of God. The attack never came. Later that year, the chief of the tribe became saved and had a conversation with Reverend Patton. And the chief said to the Reverend Patton, who were all those men surrounding your house that night? Patton said, there were no men. It was just my wife and I in the house. He said, no, he and his warriors had seen hundreds of men in shining garments with swords drawn surrounding. We dared not attack. I believe God has a heart for to see the gospel go out to all nations of the world. 
And lastly, I believe God sends his angels to usher us into heaven. Billy Graham in his book says, as his grandmother was dying, his room was filled, her room was filled with a heavenly light. She cried out, I see Jesus. I see Ben, her husband. And I see the angels. And she slumped over, present with the Lord. My prayer for us is that God would open our spiritual eyes. May the eyes of your heart be open to the spiritual world in which we live. May you realize that there's more in this world than what your physical eyes can see. May your heart embrace the biblical truth that angels do exist and they're God's messengers and ministers of life and grace to us today. And in this Christmas season, may the wonder of God drop into your heart. That wonder and awe of God who would send his son down to earth to, as a baby, with the purpose of saving us and redeeming us of our sins. And may our heart give place to that reverent fear of the Almighty God who loves us that much. And if you're here this morning, I don't know everyone who's here this morning, but if you've never opened your heart to the Lord, the scriptures say this about angels. They say angels get excited about salvation. Luke 15, 10 says, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. That means that you can start a party in heaven. When you say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Reveal yourself to me. The angels get excited and they rejoice in heaven. Let's pray as we close. Jesus, I thank you for your love for us. The worship team, come forward, please. Jesus, I thank you for your love for us and that you love us enough to send your messengers into this world. God, may our heart at least entertain that possibility. May our eyes be open to angelic activity in this world. And Father, I pray for anyone this morning that may never have begun their walk with Christ. That, Father, they would start that party in heaven by opening their heart and responding to your call to their souls, God. We thank you, God, for the joy it is to serve a living God who reaches out to us in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you opened your heart to Christ or you'd like to do so, we're going to have a ministry team right over here. Please come forward. Just say, hey, I'd like to start my life in Christ, and they'll walk you through that. A prayer of salvation. If you're our guest, I'd love to meet you. I'll be out at the Welcome Center on the left heading out. Love to meet you this morning.